five, four, three, two, one. I'm John Miglosh for the WDMA, and we're going to be talking about marketing today. No mail. I got a lot of ridicule yesterday. <laughs> I said I was going to talk marketing, and I did talk a lot of mail. And I want to make sure you understand that I love Land's End. It's like I should buy everything I own from Land's End. Uh, but I don't always, but I should. And uh, I sent out connection invitations to the CEO and to a couple of people on the board just to see if I could, you know, get them to watch my thoughts. You know, I hope uh, knowing the, the history back to the very founding with Gary Comer that I would uh, maybe get somebody to listen. But if you know anybody at Land's End, uh, I do know a couple of people a little bit. Um, you know, send them yesterday's link. I hope you do. Uh, because I do, I really do care, and uh, I don't want them to go down this price discount uh, addiction, right? So, you know, this is going to be a follow-up to that, and I probably will put it on a playlist about pricing uh, and uh, price promotion uh, on YouTube because I need to build more more playlists. There are some good playlists up there. There's some really good stuff on RFM and some other things. Uh, if you go over to the YouTube channel, and I think it's I think it's listed in my LinkedIn profile. But before we do, let's have some fun. This is Michael, and this is not Tai Chi, a viral dance, or a mating ritual. He's being attacked by a swarm of mosquitoes. Why him and no one else? Because Michael tried to save on his holidays by making his own mosquito repellent. Don't save on mosquito repellent. Save on your next journey with Trainline. Comparing all trains and fares in just one app. Okay, so Trainline, I I had uh, never heard of Trainline, I have to say. But, you know, a lot of times from the drum, I get these commercials from overseas that you will not probably have seen in the United States. Um, I don't know. Do people take trains anymore? I think I'm going to put that up on a... Up on a uh, on a LinkedIn survey because uh, this the style consultant and I were talking yesterday or the day before and she said you know have you taken a train lately and I said no and she said you know I thought well that might I saw she said I saw an ad for trains and I thought oh that might be fun so she said I looked up taking a train to Boston and uh, what it would take and she said you know it was like two hundred dollars and I thought well that's not too bad and then she looked up the details and it was 36 hours to go from Milwaukee to Boston 36 hours and the $200 was just for a seat now I think some of the seats reclined quite a bit I'm not sure I wouldn't want to bet my life on it but she said so then I thought well what about a bed you know like on uh, on white Christmas you know they have that little sleeper thing and it turns out that then it was like $800 you know, she said, well, I'm pretty sure I could get a flight to Boston for 200 if I go on off, you know, off times or something. Uh, why would anybody take a train? Well, this is this is uh, the UK, it seems like. The ad agency of record is in the UK. Uh, let's get over to the story from Amy Houston. Uh, Man eaten alive by pesky mosquitoes in train line spot. And if you go down here to the credits... Dude London is the creative agency, agency Dude, and it says Dude in the, uh, in the corner of the video, if you saw that. Okay, so he makes his own mosquito repellent. I don't, 
I didn't know that was a thing. You know, I always thought you needed DEET in it, and I, I don't think you can get DEET by itself, like 100% DEET. I don't think you can buy that. But anyway, it said that making your own mosquito repellent was something that many viewers will be able to relate to. So maybe it's a thing in the UK. You know, I also, it was a little hard to believe that Michael, who was just basically skin and bones, would have enough juice in him to be to be <laughs> to be loved by mosquitoes. Uh, you know, uh, it seems like they don't like me. It's funny. <laughs> they love my wife. <laughs> I don't know why that is, but apparently some people are more attractive to uh, to mosquitoes. Uh, anyway, let's get on to. <laughs> Let's get on to Mark Ritson. You know, I what I what a couple of things I didn't like. One, it was hard to believe that Michael was, you know, he could have just jumped in the pool for one thing. <laughs> Should have. And secondly, uh, you know, that skin and bones thing just didn't resonate with me. So here's uh, Mark Ritson. He's got this, I don't remember what these stand for, but it's a seven-step program to kick your price promotion addiction. And yesterday's we featured the Terrell's commercial, which was hilarious, you know, where they had super giant potatoes and they had super giant uh, peppers and uh, they were dancing around with super giant potato chips and basically got the message across that if you're having a, uh, a get together and you want really the best chips, you want Terrell's and, uh, and you know, I got the message. Right? And that's not something that's available in the UK either. Um, but anyway, we got as far as the first line where we mentioned Michael Johnson. I'll tag him today. I didn't tag him yesterday because I didn't even talk about it. So he was offering a course on uh, product design or something like product positioning. And Mark said he did a cheap shot um, criticizing him for, for selling his seminar for $10. I have a I have a seminar uh, that's three thousand dollars. A master class in turning your company around. Maybe I should offer it to those people that didn't think I was worth the thirty thousand to come in and straighten them out. Anyway, uh, so more than a quarter of all the products in the British supermarkets are sold on promotion, and Mark says it's a lazy approach. It's the crack cocaine of promotional activity, and. Um, <clears throat> Value-added promotions or or uh, or buy one, get one, or some other things. There's some other offers that are better. Michael Johnson's original $58 price point may well have been the right one. And I'd say that's probably true. I would, I would say that's worthwhile, you know. Um, the distance between the intended price and the one being offered, you, you have to... Uh, that's that's what promotion means. We had a big debate about that in Musician's Friend. They had a sale catalog. Here we go on direct mail again. They mailed a sale catalog every uh, July, I think it was. It seemed like it was January and July. And I said, you know, I'm not sure you should be mailing that to everyone because we had found a big segment of their customer file um, was fairly insensitive to price promotion that they bought things on at the retail price and uh, so how how did we know that well a couple of things one uh, we had 
we had sought out information on uh, whether there was B2B customers. And it turned out that band managers uh, and recording studio people and people like that who were buying on behalf of someone else weren't too interested in discounts. And uh, so why should you offer discounts? You know, why, why make that move? doesn't make sense so um, so we found a business to business component and we found it by once we found that there was some some a, a small segment at the top of their customer uh, profile that were really 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 frequent buyers spent a lot of money and bought often um, we asked him if there were particular products that we could that we could look for and we recommended because uh, if you remember my Baseball Express story, in that one we we found uh, pitching machines, which are about four or five thousand dollars, and um, we found that people who bought pitching machines also bought line chalk and rosin bags. So then we started targeting the people who had bought just the rosin bags or just the line chalk, because we knew they had a baseball diamond, serious baseball diamond. So we applied the same technique to Musician's Friend, and we said. I mean, this is gold for you people that are direct to consumer and think that that's all you do. Um, we looked for, they, they said certain kinds of guitar picks. Uh, you know, you can buy a pack of 10 guitar picks for $10 or something, but most people do. Um, but there are some fancy, you know, maybe they're made from genuine tortoise shells or something, endangered species or something. You know, beachcombers find the shells and they only make them from those shells or something. And uh, let's say they're, they're $10 a piece. Uh, so a pack would be a pack of ten would be a hundred dollars instead. It's still not a lot of money. It's not a big average order. You won't spot it with RFM as significant. But if you know about these products, and there were some guitar strings too that were especially expensive as guitar strings go, not compared to all the other items, not compared to a Gibson actual Gibson guitar. But those were the ones that we identified as a B2B potential customer. That the, somebody that really cared about their guitar and, and probably was making a living at playing guitar. And so we already had identified those. And then we went into the, uh, the sale book and we looked for people that didn't buy on sale. And we found a significant segment that didn't. And how do we find the sale people? Well, we created special variables. And we, we in the Smith Gardner system that they had at the time, which they were getting rid of, they had the list price at the time of the order, and they had the price it sold for. And so we could take that differential, which is exactly what Mark Ritson said to do. Look at that differential. And uh, Brian said, the VP of marketing, I think, at the time, said that uh, in retail, 3 to 5% is significant. Well, I'm not sure 3 to 5% is significant as a predictive variable. We looked at, I think we built it his way, and we also built it at 20%. Uh, that we really looked at who was really looking for promos, and it was, and so people that bought 20% plus, and we kept track of the proportion of how much did they buy at 20 plus, how much did they buy at at five plus, or you know, uh, two to five, and how much did they buy at regular price, and what we found was a significant segment didn't buy uh, at discounted rates, and we also found that there were some that only bought at discounted rates. And those we used to mail deeper on the sale price. So on the sale catalog, we mailed the dormant sale buyers, which we were able to reactivate with a good sale. And we skipped the non-sale buyers. 
so that we wouldn't erode margin needlessly, mailing it to people that we're going to buy anyway. And that is a point that Mark Ritson makes. So anyway, uh, in a in a while, he said you can't produce, you can't persuade people about sale items. One of the advantages of mail is we can do that kind of thing. You know, whereas retail, you just can't. Right? It's on sale, or your sale flyer goes to you know goes in the newspaper. So if you allow enough time, they'll figure out that what they've done is accelerate demand, and then their 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 competitors will react and accelerate demand away back back to the competitor. And at the same time, the customers who were going to buy anyway now don't need it for the moment, and so there's a lull in demand, and so demand actually goes down. And at the same time, the competitors copy it, and so demand moves back. You might have attracted some of the competitors' customers at a really good price, but now it moves back to the competitors, and you're in this spiral down, spiral down. Okay, and so the and then you say, whoa, my gosh, sales are all of a sudden way off. We better have another promotion, and that creates this promotion addiction. Okay, and eventually you'll you'll your demise will come with a tragic two-word epitaph: non-sale merchandise. And I think that means stuff that's so cheap it doesn't even count as a sale. Uh, not only does it hurt their brand, but it leads to more hurt in the future. Okay, you have to understand the true cost of price promotions, and uh, that doesn't mean never. Right, and I remember ordering from Cabela's when we were first starting to work with them, and I placed a phone order for something I don't remember what, some fishing supplies or something. I only fished at the time. I took up hunting later to figure out what, why people hunted. Why would they sit out in the cold and freeze to death when mostly they never saw any deer? <laughs> it is, it is a puzzle. Uh, but anyway, and while I was on the phone, the telemarketing person said, "Would you like to hear about today's special?" And I said, sure. And and so she told me that I could get three crankbaits for $10 or something like that. And I knew crankbaits went for about $10 a piece. And I went, whoa, yeah, I'm into that. And all of a sudden, my perception of Cabela's changed from not just the world's foremost outfitter to also an occasional good deal, you know, if they have excess inventory or something. And if you call in, you might get it. And that was that was a much different deal. Than what Lands End is offering with the total 50% off. When Lands End first had a, web, a website, they actually would allow you to save your profile, to save your sizes, and you could go into Lands End and you could look at the at the at the liquidation section by your size, and you could instantly see if there were items in a color and size you could stand. And I used to buy a lot that way. They don't do that anymore. You have to go through the stupid process of telling them your size and going to the thing and then saying shirts. And it used to be fantastic. And maybe it does it now, but I doubt it. It hasn't done it for decades. You know, it only it only did it in the 90s when they started doing the website. It was absolutely fantastic. So there's another idea for the CEO of Land's End, if any of you know him. And uh, you can offer that to him freebie uh, and suggest he watch the show. But it also could work for you if you sell apparel. Why not? Why not let the customer see what he wants to see without having to wade through your site every time they go? It's fantastic, and it's so and it's what the web can do. Nobody uses the web at its capabilities. Nobody. 
okay so how do you escape the addiction let's skip down first ignore the sales line that is so crucial okay and what he means by that is don't you can't ignore it but you can't just focus on how many units you sell I saw a fascinating article or a video on China and it had acres and acres of electric vehicles sitting out in the field why and they all had 30 miles on them and they were all perfectly good and they could run and they were all brand new why were they sitting fields and fields and fields because because China rewards the factory for the number of units they produce they're even a step back from sales they don't have to sell them they can just say we shipped we shipped a million cars and so China by doing that leapfrogged Tesla and became the largest electric car manufacturer in the world even though they didn't sell them right my brother lived in Russia for 15 years and he told me that 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 the factories were rewarded by how many raw how much raw material they used and how much whatever it is that they were producing they produced how many refrigerators they produced it didn't even matter if the refrigerators worked well or not or worked at all they were they were they were focused on the throughput because Marx in his Das Kapital I mentioned it last yesterday in Das Kapital he said the only value an item has is the materials it's made out of right and the labor required to produce it nothing about design you know is this a good pen is it a beautiful pen is it elegant will it impress your friends when they come over for snacks like Terrell's chips none of that counts not for Marx the only thing that counts is the amount of raw materials and the labor that's the value of what you produce okay so looking only and so they don't even look at sales no wonder there there aren't cars that anybody likes you can look at Top Gear they have a great episode called "Does communism ever produce a car someone liked the answer is no uh, so anyway there's so you you know obsession with volume or unit sales pushes them towards sales generating price promotion so you got to get past that and what do you want to look at you want to look at profit okay because if you only look at price profit will completely disappear and the only thing worse than looking at price or units is looking at clicks and we've talked about that plenty okay and Dell followed a similar trajectory and he talked about Terrell's that they just kept discounting and discounting and discounting at some point in time we will start losing money Dell said and so they backed off and started doing brand building too many companies exhibit a profound sales orientation which volumes are seen as the lifeblood of the company we'll lose a dollar on every order but we'll make it up in volume profits profits are the lifeblood of every company remember when I was a kid when I was coming out of college you know I hadn't taken enough marketing and I thought you know it was somehow it was immoral that a pen that sold for ten dollars at retail sold to the retailer for five dollars sold to the wholesaler at 250 and was actually built for a dollar okay or something like that I got the numbers a little wrong yesterday don't do math on a live stream okay so uh, get the price right check the veracity of these of the retail price the the actual real retail price because um, you need d good data to show that the retail price is the correct price and you know you never know that for sure communism didn't know it at all they would they would actually spy on the United States and and fix their pricing for toothpaste at 
you know, whatever Crest sold for because they had no market feedback. There was only one brand of toothpaste probably. And uh, it, it might not have fought cavities. It might not have whitened your teeth, but it was toothpaste. <laughs> Be quiet and buy it. You know, there's no value to advertising. There's no value to marketing. There's no value to seeing what the consumer wants. All right. Okay. So Terrell's uh, average price when they revamped and was bought were bought out by KP Snacks, the price soared 29%, and volume of sales dropped immediately by 27%. Okay, actually, so you'd still do better, I think. If your margin went up by 29% and sales only fell 27, your sales were about the same, or your margin was about the same. Margin was about the same. Okay, imagine a profitless brand now staring at a 27% decline in sales. Well, but they knew the price was right. They knew that it was consistent with the market and what they should be charging and at, at a little better than a premium. I mean, a little higher at the higher end of snacks. Okay, and, and in the midst of that, you have to manage, and this is excellent stuff. Most marketers' Achilles heel is their inability to earn senior management support and patience. And of course, you know, the board thinks you as a marketer are a commodity that can be changed out any every two, two years. And that there's no connection between your promotion unless you do price promotion. And that's one of the interesting paradoxes here that Mark doesn't really touch on. The way you prove the impact of advertising is do create a measurable response. And the easiest way to create a measurable response is price promotion. Very absolute easiest, right? People will clip that coupon and you can measure that, right? Brand advertising doesn't generally have an easy to measure response, right? So what you do, what you've done, if you're not careful, is you've undermined the previous marketing guy's ability to run a promotion and see the sales bump. You take that away. Now, there isn't a sales bump necessarily. Well, if you do a good enough job at real marketing and repositioning your product, you might get a sales bump. You know, Direct mail, we can do both because we can see the impact of a mailing. It is measurable and it's incrementally measurable as we talked about on uh, Monday, I think. But anyway, you see the problem. But, but most marketers don't have the ability to talk the language of the boardroom and the language of the boardroom is really basically CFO. And so if you look at my LinkedIn profile, it says, speak CEO and CFO fluently, right? Because what I do when I come into a company is I change their valuation. And the problem is when I talk to marketing people about that, they don't even know what I'm talking about. They don't know what EBITDA is. They may not even know what gross margin is. I remember a client of mine who will remain nameless, nameless and they said, you know, we've been running some digital advertising promotion and, and we're, we're, we're advertising, you know, banner ads and stuff on influencers, uh, with influencers and, uh, and affiliates. But it's, you know, I hired three kids downstairs and I pay them 150 bucks, 150,000 bucks a piece. And could you just talk to them and see if they know what they're talking about? Because, you know, they don't, they don't, I don't know what they're talking about. They don't speak my language. So I went down there and I said, you know, how are you doing? Oh, we're doing great. You know, we're, we're, uh, sales are up a million dollars. And we know we're making money because we more than, we're selling more than the cost of our promotion. I said, well, tell me about your promotion. They said, well, what we do is we offer a 20% rebate 
or, or commission to our influencers okay and we also recommend that when they advertise our product they offer a 20% discount and uh, and so then we track the sales and like I said uh, we, we paid out about a million dollars I said but wait a minute you also gave away 20% of your price oh oh yeah okay I suppose uh, so you've actually spent two million dollars right and you've generated a million dollars of sales but the margin is only 40% so you basically generated a million dollars of sales with no margin whatsoever and they looked at me like a deer in the headlights it's like they're completely smoking it <laughs> and so then just to be funny uh, we decided I went back talked to the uh, the CEO and I said let's let's look at the lifetime value here and I said how are you gonna do that I said well let's see all the people they've acquired in the last year or so uh, and let's see how you know how though that class of customers that were acquired through this process how they did it the next few months and we'll compare it to the year before before they got started we'll compare it to your regular customers the regular new customers that came in that year and how did they do the next few months and we'll make it as as equal as possible well it turned out that the that the promotional acquired customers were worth one quarter 25% as much margin a year later or a couple of months after they were acquired as the ones that were acquired by by renting lists and mailing a catalog and I've seen that now work out a couple of times with a couple different clients you know and it's a scary thing because you might not even figure it out you think oh we're we're generating customers at such a at such a low cost per acquisition and you don't look at that you don't look at that distinct class and what their downstream profitability is and what they found out was these people were discounters I mean they were they were sale buyers and they wanted to have a discount so not only are you eroding your margin with your discounted price and not only are you accelerating demand with customers who would have bought anyway but you're also acquiring customers who are disloyal and will only keep buying at that level it's like the worst of all possible worlds okay and you don't speak the language of the boardroom so the old adage is spend 70% of your time convincing your own boss and 30% convincing the customer right okay a marketer's job is to explain things and to manage up and you do that with testing and with observation hypothesis experimentation explanation and theory and I'll be posting a video I got on a little bit of a rant on an AMA panel <laughs> that I wasn't part of and we'll put that up one of these days okay so focus on differentiation I have to say I don't really know what that means uh, I'm sure Terrell's is a good chip tastes good but they differentiated themselves saying our ingredients are 38 miles from our factory and uh, we take care and we inspect everything and it's really really good and I'm sure everybody does but you know that's the point they made and so your friends will think it's really really good okay and then mark goes on to explain margin drivers and differentiation is is half of the makeup and 45 percent uh, meaningful differences is you know it's a lot okay so salience just means you get attention like Bud Light <laughs> got a lot of attention not necessarily positive but it did get a lot of mentions right 
So let's go to the next one. Use brand tracking to diagnose, benchmark, and predict. And uh, again, I don't know a lot about that, but brand, both Dell and Terrell's had purchase funnels in place to benchmark, okay, and predict, and then prove the validity of their new strategies. Five to seven points across consider, consideration of familiar or familiarity, okay. And again. That's not what we do in direct marketing, but there's ways to use direct marketing to identify your customer hot points without necessarily sale offers. And so I've talked about that many times. Okay, change the focus from promotions to advertising. And I tried to look up um, the guy from Ogilvy that uh, John John Evans likes, and uh, I'll I'll track it down. But he said the the better your advertising, the broader should be your reach. You know, the less targeting. And I think there's really wisdom in that, right? Don't start target marketing if you don't know who your target is. And if you have great advertising, then go as broad as you can because you don't know who your customer is. And that demographic profile that you got for free from some data company doesn't it doesn't cut it and I could tell you stories about that too that are that would make you laugh anyway while you have to reach everyone that doesn't necessarily mean that your brand has to appeal to absolutely everyone yeah but if you're gonna find the needle in the haystack of people who want to impress their friends with their potato chips which is a little bit of an odd thing uh, you gotta you gotta find you gotta talk to a lot of people who buy a lot of potato chips that aren't impressive you know the food club brand. Okay, we knew we needed an emotional connection to stand out. That was the Terrell's. What a great ad. We, we saw it yesterday. Go back to yesterday. I'll put a link in, this, in the uh, description. But on LinkedIn, you just have to go down one and you'll get to yesterday. Keep the focus on profit. That's always the way it is. You can't run an economy on sales or units or anything like that. It's just fake. It's just fake. Ultimately, you got to pay the piper. Okay, so Terrell's new profit, profitability is bolstered by a 40% increase in volume. So not only did the profits go up because they raised the prices 29%, but sales also went up 40%. Now, as I explained yesterday, if you decrease sales by 27% and you then go back to the same level, you've basically, you've basically to get to the same point, you have to increase sales 35% uh 36 maybe <clears throat> and so a 40 percent volume is not that great but now your profits are almost 30 percent higher i mean are, no now you have 30 percent more sales price which could be that your profits are 10 times better it, this math is it's one of the great parts about retail okay so anyway um our sequential year-on-year growth was phenomenal and I mean truly phenomenal. They were 100% double digit, and that gave us the confidence that something was working. You bet. Great ad, great ad. Saw the product name many times. Okay, so sorry I went so long, but this was a 22-minute, 21 to 27-minute article, and we boiled it all down for you in just 15 or 20. Have a great day. Like and repost. If you made it this far, you got to repost it. Okay. Bye-bye.